Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, that pod thing that you've been listening to for 220 episodes. Woo! Today is an exciting day for many, many reasons. First of all, it's exciting because this is Ames. And because this is Caitlin. Jake. Oh, this is Chris. Chris is asleep. And Liz. That's and the Liz. excitement. Hey, That's Liz. the most exciting part. Liz is here. Yay, Liz. Oh, well, you're in trouble then if that's the most exciting part. I'm real. No, I'm really excited Liz is here because we're, do- we're covering the final two episodes of season six of Deep Space Nine, which means we're also going to be doing our top bottom threes at the end of this episode. Ooh. And that's going to be exciting. Nice. I'm a top. Gross. Not me. All right. So the two episodes we are covering today are The Sound of Her Voice and Tears of the Prophets. Oh, sad prophets. That's the sound of the prophets weeping. All right, so (laughs) it is Cisco hates civilians on the bridge week here at A Star to Steer Her By, because in the sound of her voice, we start off with Cassidy acting as the convoy liaison aboard the Defiant, a position she clearly doesn't want to do because there's all this paperwork involved, and that Cisco doesn't want her doing because it means she's underfoot all the fucking time. However, we (laughs) receive a distress call from Captain Lisa Cusack of the USS Olympia. She is stranded on an alien class L planet, which means the air is fucking poison and there isn't a war or anything, war going on or anything. So let's take time and go save her. Back on the (laughs) station. What's that? Don't don't you feel like, isn't, because class M is like habitable right yeah don't you feel like all the good stuff don't you feel like the air is gonna kill you should make it like a couple of letters lower like class i don't know h like you feel like class l would be you might have some allergies not class, like well, the air is gonna fucking kill you well she survived for a few days yeah, yeah with a trial i don't know compound. i'm just i'm just saying i feel like i feel like class that's a h, big though, that's a big Caitlin. big leap should we just is, is helium atmosphere? I don't Liz. know. Is that true? What? I don't know. It'd be funny though. Well, Everybody would talk really funny. Fair. So yeah. Meanwhile. Sorry, meanwhile. Go ahead. That's okay. That's okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Back on the station, Odo has all the sticks up his ass, and he's been hounding Quark about shit, which is really cramping Quark style because he just wants to do some smuggling, as he is wont to do. And then he realizes he can use Odo's upcoming one month anniversary with Kira to distract him, to allow him to do some nefarious bullshit. And Jake tags along, so Chirac Lofton Lofton can have some screen time or something. I'm not entirely certain. O'Brien rigs it up over on the Defiant so that we can now converse with Cusack, and we decide that everyone's going to, like, take turns talking with her so that she can stay on the line with us and also stay lucid, I think, or just have company. They're being nice to to Cusack because she's all alone dying. And (laughs) one by one, she therapies them better than fucking Troy ever could. She tells O'Brien that his life is a a disaster, and he's like, yeah, I fucking know. She tells Bashir that he's this stuck-up brain box, and he's like, but, but, I'm better than seasons one and two. And she's like, we're fucking over it, lady. And and she tells Sisko that he shouldn't be mixing love and war on the bridge, and he's like, well, all's fair in love and war, not mixing on the bridge. Done. Check that off the list. All this while she's dying on a planet. 
Go, well, Captain Cusack. We'll definitely Cusack. keep you distracted. I mean, yeah, gotta keep busy. Back on station, Quark has convinced Odo that Kira and he should go on a, on a day in the holodeck, even though Kira all has basically always hated the holodeck. But that's fine. And Odo's like, what if I do it the following day? Because our first date, if we remember that episode a couple weeks ago, was fucking garbage. <laughs> and Quark realizes, oh, no, that ruins my plan for nefarious bullshit with the... With the, with the people who wanted to buy some shit. I think um, it was a Nausicaan. Nausicaan, that's what I was trying to think of. I was thinking Tralfemidorian, and that's the wrong species. <laughs> hey. um, and this ruins his scheme, so he has a chat with Jake about how unfair it all is because of his love for Odo. But Odo's been listening the whole time as a barrel. Luckily, Worf <laughs> isn't around. And he realizes, oh, I have all this love for Quark as well. I might as well let him do an extremely illegal thing. And it's very sweet. What's less sweet is the A-plot, where we finally make it to the planet. Cusack is unconscious somewhere, and they have to find her. It's a race against time, because she's dying to death. And we find her, and she's a fucking skeleton who's been there, who's been dead for three years. And they're like, oh no, this has been some time shift-related bullshit. Damn it! So Never we saw hold- it coming. So in honor of O'Brien's horrible life, we hold an Irish wake for her, and it's quite sweet. <laughs> And I, I don't know if we ever checked if she had a family or anything, because it kind of just ends right there. The nah, end. Fuck <laughs> I mean, they thought they knew she was dead already, right? I don't know. I mean, I sure knew from the title of the episode. The sound of her voice? Yeah. It's like, it's called the sound of her voice. They're getting this distress signal. She's going to be dead by the time they get there. And you know, like, at first I was like, you know, they, they're, if they're just going to get like logs and stuff. Then when they started actually talking with her, I thought, okay, there's got to be some sort of chronal, temporal, hoodily fuckery, which means the signal's actually several years old and blah, blah, blah. Look, there it is. Wow. Yeah, I felt like the time explanation is very, is a little kludgy, but it makes it work because all their conversations with her were very sweet. What's kludgy? Mm. Yeah, what is kludgy? Kludgy to to have been like kludged together. Kludged? It's like a, it's a like improvised, mm. tacked on, duct tapey, yeah. MacGyvery. Wib- would you say wibbly wobbly timey wimey? Because no. good because I fucking hate that shit. So <laughs> yeah, much. I was just just going into it. It's like all right, I, I yeah, no, this is good. Yeah, okay. Chris oh, is sh- Chris is out a really bad cold for a week. He's kind of just given up on everything. I think. Very, he's embittered now. Well, it's also just very <laughs> Star Trek, you know. Yeah, this like, is Star Trek, Chris. I mean, it also it feel like I feel like you know because I couldn't remember I couldn't remember this episode a hundred percent. I vaguely remember it being an episode, and as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what the ending's going to be, and it wasn't necessarily that. Because I was thinking, because this is Star Trek and this is how it how it would end. I was like, I was thinking, like, if it were like an Asimov or a Ray Bradbury story or something like in you know, like like Amazing Magazine or something like that's hmm. a very like classic trope. Is that like, oh, they were you know they were speaking with someone who was dead the whole time. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. I actually about halfway through the episode was like, she's been dead the whole time. <laughs> and when I was right, I was like, oh. Yeah, and then Bev perks up because she's like, ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> they, they get there and Bev is definitely fucking her corpse or something. Oh, I wasn't going that direction. Yikes. Listen, that's how Bev does. Also, uh, in the A plot, I feel like I guess I owe Quark one is only 75% of the reason Odo decided to do what that he did. That is not the A plot. Yeah, you did I say, reverse, it's either way. 
it's, 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 it's a plot. Hey. Um, but in the co-plot there, seventy-five percent I feel like was you know I owe Quark one for some reason. Twenty-five percent was I don't want to arrest the captain's son. Jake wasn't involved in basically any. He was just watching. Wouldn't he be an accessory though? Because he's like yeah. Accessory. Yeah. See, I had um, so many like ideas about what they were going to do to twist what Jake's role in this was, and my first thought was, ah, it's going to turn out that Jake Sisko has been deputized and he's there to watch Quark for Odo while he goes mm-hmm. on his date. So basically, he's Quark is screwed no matter what. And then when the jig was up, I thought, ah, Jake will go do the transaction himself for Quark while Quark, you know, gets to play innocent and like he had nothing to do with it. Oh, and it was awesome. it ended up being none of the above. He I mean, definitely wouldn't have been plot, an accessory then. That whole plot just feels like it was time filler. Mostly. Yeah. Like they needed to pad the episode. And they're like, what? okay, we'll do a Quark Odo plot because we haven't done one in a little while. Yeah, I feel like I can't help but feel like Quark, like, like this. I feel like Quark's characterization has been inconsistent this season. Oh, yeah. 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 He's been all yeah, over the place. Big time. So much. So with this one, a lot of regression this season. I feel like, but like, and then, but with this one, he's decidedly unferengi. I mean, aside from you know being you know having his feelings hurt that his boyfriend you know was was gonna not let him do crimes, he just just letting Jake shadow him as he conducts a really big financial transaction of an illegal nature. With I was I was waiting for. I was like, well, what do you get? What do you what are you going to demand in exchange? What's what's the transaction here? Well, because it should be transactional. Like Jake Jake buttered him up, up. right? Because he was like, you could be you. I could model my lead after you, and you know, whatever. I mean, I think I feel like that's also not great if you're conducting illicit activities. Is to have it highlighted, you know, like as like you know some Ferengi literary character. No, 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 my Ferengi bartender is named Quick. Hey. Spark. He's, it's, he's it's Quirk. Completely. <laughs> Quirk. My OC Quirk, do my not steal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think I could see Quark getting because he because what you know, in addition to just being profit motivated, he's also quite vain. Oh, so I sure. think the idea that like being a literary figure would appeal to him even if it is probably not wise necessarily to be recorded doing these uh illicit shit see yeah, I, but for I something think, this high stakes yeah and i think quark was also concerned that jake would get it wrong and portray him like he says like i don't do nefarious shit i conduct business there is a difference you you impotent child really really long shot reasoning as well that doesn't really work, but I'm going to think it anyway. Quark is like, with your mouth. <laughs> books become TV shows. TV shows get action figures. I'll be able to have the action figure of me play with my action figure of... Um, yeah, I know, his action figure that we saw. Yeah, his Mo. childhood toy. Yeah, what was that, Jake? I just said Whippy Whip, Mick Whip Man. Uh, yeah, yeah, Marauder Mo or something. Yeah, like yeah. yeah that sounds like right. That, yeah. So otherwise, he wants to have him and Marauder Mo go on adventures. Is I don't think there is TV in the future though. It might be a holodeck program. Sure, yeah, that works. How too. could there not be TV in the future? We have. I we've never seen them watch. TV. I mean, I know, I know, 
But I just can't believe that there's no TV in the future. Yeah, DS9 is surprisingly lacking in the arts. You know, TNG, like, at least at least on the Enterprise, they, you know, they watch concerts and plays. Oh, yeah, they did theater all the time. Yeah, and, like, you yeah, know, it was always like, like violin concerts and whatnot. Say like, to learn you know, to paint. Nerdy, nerdy stuff. On DS9, they're doing James Bond. Yeah, porn. It's all porn. Sure. Porn. Sure. They got, they got yeah, the they, of Britain. They got the Hall of Sweets, and no one gives a fuck about Shakespeare. It's a Bajoran station. They're like, who's this asshole? So the Enterprise is theater kids. DS9 <laughs> is video game nerds. <laughs> ha! Yes. I like it. If you humans like Shakespeare... Wait until you meet his Bajoran counterpart, Shout Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I want that action figure. <laughs> Just so I can shout at it. Plus, I mean, after a while, as the honest trailer made implicit, the concerts began to get borderline comical. They happened so often. Yeah. Yeah, so I have lots more thoughts on the actual A plot. My first thought being, and th- and my first thought that distracted me the entire episode long is, why did nobody look up the U.S. Olympia and Lisa Cusack when they learned her fucking name? That's true. Because they would have been like, oh, the ship went down three years ago. Yeah, no, I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly why. Because Dax wasn't there. True. If Dax were there, she'd have looked it up. But yeah. nobody else thought to do it. Do y'all know why Dax wasn't there? Because she got fired. Well, I mean, well, was, there is and that. Was probably like, like, fuck you guys. I'm not showing up to work because you fired me for bullshit reasons. Yeah. Well, they, 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 she more, she did not extend her contract. We'll talk about this in the second episode. But she was barely around because they, they basically let her have time to go do casting calls. Oh, that wasn't fun. Well, that was nice. That's that's pretty decent. Yeah, in fact, and I'll tell I'm like, I in case I don't bring this up during Tears of the Prophets, literally the day after filming her her scenes in Tears of the Prophets, she went and did her audition for Becker and she got the role of Reg in Becker. Here we yeah. go. Wait, who's Reg? The she owned the she was a main character. She owned the, the coffee shop or Holy yeah, that shit, super I have rat. to I have to rewatch Becker now. Becker's pretty good. It is pretty good, that. and I love Ted Danson. Oh, that Becker. Good for Terry Farrell. Yeah, she's excellent in that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like as an actor, I mean, we've talked about how she kind of got shafted on this show with with some poor storylines. Boys, Um, boys, boys. I think think she was able to do a lot more on on that show. Yeah. And this show, it took her longer than I was expecting to get any good, so. But we see her in like one fucking scene in this episode. Where she explains what the Irish wake is instead of Miles explaining what an Irish wake is, which was strange. Well, you know, Miles had hubby. already had a few at that point. So. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was a weird one though. Like, just I didn't want to like... get caught talking to him for hours. I don't know. I, I like. I'm. I'm actually. I was trying to figure out why they bothered to call it an Irish wake because, like, it's. It looked like a wake that I had been to. Like wakes that I'd been to before that weren't Irish. It was a little like Jordy and Rose wake back when they thought they were dead during the uh, during the out of phase but, episode. But yeah, no, I is... feel like that wake was closer to an Irish wake because I, I feel like the whole thing with an Irish wake is it's like more celebratory feel and like music and yeah. things like that. There was no music at the uh, hmm. they should have had Riker's trombone. Well, it's because <laughs> they had no it's because they had no theater nerds on board. That's true. There, there it is. Yeah. 
There you go. I had no stage managers or producers to get the thing up and running and looking good and sounding good. Yeah, well, well, bad looking for ghosts. Bajoran flute that only plays the theme song. See, for a proper Irish wake, there needed to be way more cheap beer. And potatoes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, a band playing songs about how much the English suck. <laughs> and people would bring up, like, but it's the 24th century. Ireland's reunited. That's long in the past. There'd still be a band singing about how much the I- English suck. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's just... You're probably English. right. Yeah, speaking of, of the Irish... I actually really kind of liked the scenes with O'Brien this episode because he's there talking with a doomed woman being like, I want to be here to listen to her voice, even though she doesn't know before they before they were on the two way converse, um, uh, connection mm-hmm. saying, like, I want to listen to her so that someone's listening because that yeah. just seems nice, even though she has no idea because, you know, I've suffered my whole fucking life. Let's let's do something nice for somebody. Mm. Yeah, I did like that. And also I thought that seemed like with O'Brien comfortable listening to someone just in the background as they mutter to themselves like them like that that tracks about him yeah he's, he's comfortable with bitching in the background that's like you know some people I personally sleep with a white noise machine he turns on Starfleet YouTube of person grumbling into log <laughs> not in like recording a log just holding a piece of wood and grumbling at it. <laughs> I mean, look, the chief is a big Twin Peaks fan. Ah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, it's uh, funny because this episode, they sort of, I, I forget if it was last episode or two episodes ago, we were discussing Star Trek's antipathy towards formalized psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. And his discussion with Captain What's-Her-Name was basically like, laying bare their thesis. It's like, oh, well, yeah. and I know this was coming. We could have talked about it now, but, you know, just go back a week or two. Yeah. I was trying to figure well, out you know, what, you know what, what it is. He's is. probably lamenting the fact that he wasn't able to get any proper treatment for Molly. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Man, I could have just sent her to this planet. <laughs> this class L planet <laughs> would have solved everything. Like, I was trying to figure out what, what the intent was in that, because, like... You know, there was a whole, I just like the idea of a ship's counselor. And I don't like the idea that only someone with a diploma can listen to your problems or give you advice. It's like, oh, that's what friends are for. I'm like, yes, that that's your friends love bearing the emotional burden. And then, but then moments later, you know, it's not, then, you know, moments later, Miles says, oh, it's not the kind of thing you talk about with them. I'm like, okay, yes. And you're, but you're she making the opposite point you think you are. But like, she's, she, I think, I, I guess the idea was that Cusack, talked him around to it because she's like well then who's left to talk to then oh a ship's counselor ship's counselor Guinan. So, yeah so at least there's yeah quark the bartender vic. not vic i wrote in my notes like really big lisa greater than vic <laughs> <laughs> no as as we found out in the molly episode if somebody's psychological issues are too overwhelming to deal with you throw them in a pit <laughs> Uh, so that they're, so that, you know, send them back in time to live alone on a planet. We, we call that the Spartan method. No. That's a good one. Speaking of people that were left alone in a pit. So, so Captain Cusack. Oh, um, yes. (laughs) I didn't get a great, they didn't show a real lingering shot of the corpse, but it looked to me 
and correct me if, if I'm mistaken here, but it looked to me like the corpse of a white lady. Yes. It did. Yeah. Which, which I found a little interesting. She, they, they vadered Cusack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have, mm-hmm. they have, they have a, a, an actor of color. Yeah, per, Deborah performing Wilson. the voices. She's excellent. And then, who yeah. did a great job, right? Yeah. Who's like, because I, I looked her up. She was on Mad TV for yeah. many years. And she's a great voice actress as well. As we learn in this episode. But like, and then they vaded her. We see we see her and uh white lady. So. Yeah. I mean well, like I didn't realize she was an actress of color. Yeah, yeah she's a black woman. Uh because oh. I because uh Yeah, I think her she had like uh like a very that that nineties like brown straight hair, long bob. And you can make an argument that, you know, you could still have a non-white woman with that hair, but it's still, eh, still enforcing norms that are, no. Yeah. I also I'm wonder. Gi- I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. I have a feeling yeah. they made the dead person prop before they cast Deborah Wilson, perhaps. That's what I was guessing. Because I know when they did the casting, they specifically did it in such a way that they only cast the voice they didn't actually have the artists in the room because they wanted to make sure they could just listen to the voice and be able to picture like how the character is uh, and, and all this stuff so they only got a tape reel basically of deborah wilson doing the thing and they picked her and said okay so your character is a 50 or 54 year old white woman from three years ago and she's like, I'll I'll play whatever i you know it's my voice so whatever you guys want if you like my voice this is what you're getting yeah mm. Oh, so they knew. So they told her that it was the character was white. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Probably because they'd already made the prop, is my guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because I was like, why would they? If if they hadn't made the prop at that point, they could have just. There was no reason why the character had to be white. Now I'm just yeah. picturing like every black comedian doing their white voice, and it's making me <laughs> laugh. A oh lot. no! <laughs> like you know. I don't know who. I mean, Eddie Murphy has has a good one, uh, but the one I think I'm thinking of is like Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Dave he's talking about yeah. I was gonna say when he's talking voice. about his friend, he gets gets pulled over by the police or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that or whatever." So now I'm just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the logical conclusion is to this. I just I, it would be really funny <laughs> if she was like you know, and white women talk like this. You know, I don't know. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Well, either regardless, I thought she sounded brilliant and I loved getting to know her. And I am a little bummed that they wouldn't have used, you know, made her a, a character of the appropriate race. But I thought she did beautiful work. Or an alien. An alien was always An alien fine. would have been fine. Benzite corpse. Eesh. There you go. I do like, like, from the, the original distress call... I like the thought that occurred to me as I listened to that call was like, this is this is like this is this is a voice actor like this is someone mm-hmm. who's, who specializes more than others in voice acting just because it felt so much more natural and and nuanced as a vocal performance than the usual mm-hmm. distress, distress calls you get. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Solid through the whole episode. Yeah, I wonder I do. I wonder if they had the actress on set doing the lines or I have stories had, like an assistant Ooh. reading them and then they dubbed it in they had her in another room 
They yeah. did not let her interact with the cast when doing this stuff. Because basically, like, I read, like, they had her basically in another room doing the lines and then just had them coming in through speakers in whatever room, like, Cisco or Miles or Julian were in. As far as they didn't ever get let Worf talk to her. That was kind of sad. But that's actually pretty cool, though, because yeah. so, so she was so she was re- taping her lines in real time as they were taping the scene. Is that that's the idea? Uh, that's unclear. I don't know if she was. T- I assume she was taping them at the same time, but they should, she could have also just been delivering them for the live actor. I just want. I want. Like, I guess the question is: Was it? Was she performing with the actors in the scene? Right. Yeah. So that, that's really. Yeah. Cool. She was just literally. She was just a room over, basically. Yeah. Versus yeah, like, you know, just she re- she did all of her lines in a sound sound booth. You know, later. And, you know, so that's how you kind of got, you know, the, 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 the performance, the performances felt natural. It didn't feel like somebody was talking half of a conversation and then the other person was filling in the blanks. Yeah. Cause so often, yeah. So often in a show like this, you would have, you know, just the third assistant director yell out the lines of the people that are over the radio and then they are dubbed in later. So I think we understood the importance, though, of because this was a strictly vocal performance from her end, like, standard procedure wouldn't work here. Right. Mm. And because it is a conversation with people who all they have of her is her voice, which is which is like I like I loved the idea for this episode of trying to find someone who you can whose voice you can only hear. Yeah. Yeah. I should clarify, like I saw it coming, but I still think overall that plot was. Good. Like, I like the idea. You know, it was just, it was a, it, like, I just did, you know, with the impact at the end was slightly lessened because I saw it coming, but it was yeah. still like, it was different. You know, it's like watching something where you, where there's a twist and you know it and you're just kind of like, oh, you poor bastards. Yeah. But what will their reactions to the twist be and all this yeah, stuff? Yeah, exactly. Like it can still be worth it. Do you want to know what the original idea was? Ooh, okay. Well, hold on. Hold on. I'm just trying to guess based on the history of this show. <laughs> And your original pitch things. Nog gets shore leave <laughs> and him and Jake are going to go to Riza to do some surfing. You're fairly, you're not close at all, but, but that is as far off as some of the original ideas have been. Next week, the, or the uh, next episode, the original ideas are like bizarre. But, but no, the original idea for this episode is we're getting the voice of this woman from the year 1940 in, like, New York or something. Yeah. and But Cisco and crew know the whole time that it's from the past. So it's a matter of, you can talk with this woman, but you can't let her know that she's not in the same time as you and that you're in the future. And that Cisco would kind of fall in love with her a little bit, which I think is extra bullshit because, again, Cassidy's a fucking catch. But what if the woman he was talking to in New York was the character that Cassidy played in <laughs> Far Beyond the Stars? She'd be a child. Good point. Yeah. Ew. I in 1940. <coughs> oh, they just no. I'm just saying, move it up, move it up so that it's contemporary. Oh, with, I see. Uh, I Far see. Beyond the Stars. That's that's funny. Yeah, but not stupid. literally falling in love with a child because that would be strange be gross now i i when i read that i was you know just like oh, of course because 
the the the, the first scene with Cisco and Cusack talking, I like what was standing out to me was like this is actually this is this is some nice platonic intimacy for once between a male and female character. Like and I, and I'm sitting there like and it's only because he's already got a love interest. Like if mm-hmm. if Cassidy weren't there they'd be falling in love right now and it would be so tired. But but as it is for whatever reason that we have it like I really liked that chemistry and that they made this a very just like it was intimate. It was a very strong yeah. bond between them. That was he's very able nice to be to hear. He's able to be vulnerable with her because right. he doesn't have her staring at him like, dude, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. So when I read the original concept, I was like, ugh. ugh. Also, <sighs> it's it's interesting to see, like, you so rarely see captains together in informal circumstances. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's true. You know, they're, they're usually, if they're together, it's because there's a conference or it's some sort of delegation or it's we're planning a thing. It's just two captains sort of on, for lack of a better term, downtime, getting to compare notes. And getting to decompress. Because I feel like we do see socializing between captains from time to time. It's just in a very chummy, more distant sort of way. Like this is, this is very much, both have let their guards down. Like both, both of them are like, we are like strung out. We are in very stressful situations. Both of us. Let's just, let's, let's just vent a little bit. Let's just. Yeah. Well, because usually those meetings are again, in some sort of at least semi formalized circumstance, you know, like even if it's technically like a, just, I don't know, some sort of like conference. There's still that level of like we're kind of on the job yeah. thing. Here's a question, and it may be just some context that I missed. Is we learned that the Olympia was putting around doing shit in the Beta Quadrant, and then it hit something and went into in the shuttlecrafts so while went into this planet. Where are we? Where the fuck are we? Because we're somewhere in the Alpha Quadrant where DS9 is. How did we decide? Well, let's go. Like, are we close enough to the Beta Quadrant that we go find her? Where? How does space work? I think so, the maps that I saw, like, generally, the Federation kind of straddles the Alpha Beta Quadrant air. Like, like the species that we know of, like the Klingons and Romulans, are like like the Klingons. I think are on the border between the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, and the Romulans are mostly in the Beta Quadrant. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's, it's all like sort of in the neighborhood. Yeah, like, that's what I remember, too, is generally the the Federation, I think, is pretty much completely in the Alpha Quadrant, but the Klingons and Romulans, yeah, uh, overlap a li- to varying degrees, the Klingons more so. So, like, yeah, there's, and because, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, quadrants, obviously, are enormous, because the mm-hmm. galaxy's huge. So, I mean, you know, to take an eight-year journey to the, you know, I mean, you, you go four years out in one direction, four years back, so, you know. That's the real son of a bitch. They're on their last leg when their goddamn ship kerploded because they decided to scan a planet. and Yeah, don't scan that planet. Broke everything. Yeah, that does suck. Eight years worth of data lost, that sucks. Oh, I, yeah. I remembered in this episode that it was a a time situation but for some reason i thought it was way longer like it was a hundred years like a hundred years or something like we'd see her and she'd be like in a in a you know a tos TOS movie (laughs) uniform and like i don't know it just it 
making it only a couple of years makes it both more tragic, I think, but also, I don't know, some, there's some, there was something unsatisfying for me anyway in huh. the fact that it's only like, oh, we're, we're a couple of years too late versus like it would have been really tragic if they were literally hours late. Yeah. Yeah, then there um, wouldn't be that time issue at all. It would just be yeah. literally what is happening. Yeah, it's just like, oh, crap, we didn't make it in time. So it's weird. I don't know. There's something weird. <laughs> like if it had been longer, if it had been a th- like 100 years, I would have been like, OK, that's interesting. That's, you know, they did the time thing. Cool. If they had just arrived late, I'd be like, man, that sucks. They It was tragic. They did the best they could. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's just how life is sometimes. But the fact that they like wanted to hedge and make it like, oh, it's three years ago. Well, I think uh, the problem is they have to, because otherwise there's no way to, for them to like conceivably talk with her as much as they did. And not have realizing somebody. Yeah. Like, you know, the minute the chief brings up the Cardassian wars, someone from a hundred years a ago goes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, she'd be really, asking about Admiral Kirk and they'd be like, Oh honey. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, it, and that's what it had to be. Or otherwise like, We'd be sitting here going, how did no one ever say anything that gave away the fact that the gap was that huge? Yeah, true. Yeah. Plus, I think it's nice that they don't have to also grapple with guilt about, like, just barely missing it. Mm. Like, the fact that there was nothing they could have done, I feel like, I don't know how it changes it, but it feels like it just makes it so they can be like, wow, what a shame, she was such a nice lady, instead of being like, if only we had, you know thrown a few pieces of cargo off and could have moved faster. Jettison turn, Jake. <laughs> turn down the damn lights. <laughs> They're talking about, you know, how can we get some energy? I'm like, maybe turn down the lights you have blasting on full 24-7? Consider now that we have light bulbs that, like, run on very little anything and they last for 10 years. Still, I know, but I go meant- 300 years in the future and consider... What a minuscule amount of power the lights on a spaceship really probably takes. No, no, I know. Sorry, so starship. Every, every little bit counts, you know. I mean, okay, but... Turn off the heated seats on the toilets. And... <laughs> Absolutely no, not. I draw the line that. there. <laughs> what are we, savages? What's wrong with you, man? Uh, I just want to know what paperwork Bashir has to do that it's like... I don't know. I'm like, like what... what, what he kept talking about how he had so much paperwork and he was so distracted with paperwork and paperwork and paperwork kept coming up. And what is the paperwork? I assume it's death certificates. What's he doing? <laughs> Section 31. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, oh, when, well, especially at the beginning when, when he comes in while Cassidy and Cisco are talking and he's like, ah, oh, you know, stuff, you know, paperwork for Starfleet medical. And I'm like, I don't know. You're coming in pretty dour looking. Sounds like you've been doing spy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, this episode starts off and everybody's kind of in a mood. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're still doing the everyone's in a mood because of war all the time. And I was I, I felt like we had seen that before, which went, which was when um when you realize it's because, oh, Cisco doesn't want Cassidy on the bridge because it makes him feel uncomfortable or something. And it's like, where did that come from? I don't know. I I was confused. Yeah, I kind of didn't I didn't understand until the end, like, when Cassidy was asking O'Brien about, like, do I make you uncomfortable? And O'Brien's like, no. She's like, oh, but I mean, like, a civilian on the ship? Like, I didn't really understand why she was asking him that until the end. Because then I was like, oh, it's because Cisco's acting standoffish, and she thinks it's just because they're not used to having people because she didn't want it to just be her. So I was like, I don't, 
I mean, I'm glad that it cl- clarified at the end, but mm-hmm. at the point at that point, I was like, "Why is this happening?" Yeah, I feel uncomfortable. Of course, also you went to the chief, which is like the only enlisted man on the ship. So his point of view is slightly different. Yeah. And he's like, oh my god, a person who wants to talk to me? Yay! <laughs> I also assume Haven't that seen the, Keiko you know, in years. That the, that the mood because war thing was also highlighted for, you know, to lead into, you know, everybody just unloading on, on Cusack. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, it seemed like half of them were angry about paperwork and the other half were <laughs> angry about war. So yeah. I feel like Cassidy was bitching about paperwork, too. So well, the ex- Sheer and Cassidy are team no paperwork, and everybody else is <laughs> like the Dominion sucks. Well, a lot of the paperwork is because of the war, so certainly all of Cassidy's. I'm was. sure that on the average day, most of these people spend a lot of their time doing paperwork. No, that's true. the only exception is in fact Cassidy, who like who yeah normally only has to deal with the stuff for her own ship. She's her own boss. If she doesn't want to do paperwork, she doesn't have to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, but for I, but for Starfleet, she probably has to be like you know every I don't know parsec they travel. She has to. I don't even know what a parsec is. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> well, she probably Starfleet's has also to probably like every single fart. She probably has to document. You know. What well, do you say, Jake? She just—they're probably keeping extra tabs on her just because she just got out of jail for no, smuggling shit. shit to the Maquis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. tell good. me she doesn't have like a fucking ankle bracelet on. Like, how would they let be like? Oh yeah, we know that you betrayed us and everything, but like, you want to get back to work? We've lost a lot of people. <laughs> Congrats, you're a our liaison. lot of people. Oh boy, seriously, like, how much of that is desperation? And how much of that is it's good to be fucking Cisco? Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say I, I I bet you Cisco hooked that up. Yeah, but still, that's even then. Like, god damn. I also questioned his desire to hook that up, though, especially since he's apparently regretting that choice. Well, it's like it's like you know who who wants to work with their girlfriend, right? Boom. Not when they've done all that paperwork <laughs> to do. If you can be sneaking off to the uh, if you could be sneaking off to the like supply closet to get a little. Little quickie in. It's one thing. That's true. That bitch is Supply always doing closet. paperwork. I mean, it's sort of like I guess it depends because like the work you do, for example, I don't want to do. So like, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to work in your office. But if you worked in mine, like, sure, okay. Like your work actually requires caring about human beings and. <clears throat> don't tell my ex boss that she'll be really surprised. <laughs> no. Speaking about caring, caring about human beings, somehow, like the, the Irish Wake thing where everybody gives a speech about how Lisa impacted them and all this thing. Julian was very strange in that he ended up making it all about him, which was a choice. That's when, the theme of this week, Ames. When we've, when we've seen a lot of growth from Julian over the past couple of seasons, and now it's like, nope, I'm just selfish all the time now. Lisa figured it out within five minutes of talking with me that I'm an asshole. I'm working on it. Hmm. Big time regression this whole season, and again, like, I have a lot to say about that next episode, too. But like... Yeah, though I did, like, a lot of him in this episode mostly because i i mean when he's serious competent dr bashir i'm like eh, no this is this does it for me i'm, <laughs> I'm cool with this <laughs> Same. 
I also thought it was a strange choice where we have Lisa doing a little ploy where it's like, I'm going to check to see if Julian's actually (laughs) listening to me. Hilarious. By by pretending that I'm being attacked by a monster. And I noticed, because, you know, we watch this on Netflix where there are not commercial breaks, but you can see where the commercial break was in the middle of it. And I'm like, the second she starts acting like this, I'm like, this is a, this is a ploy to get Julian's attention. Commercial break in the middle of a joke. Then they return and she finishes the joke. <laughs> I love it. It was just like, okay, she's not just fucking with Bashir. She's fucking with the audience. Okay. Well, and again, this this speaks to what you said before too, Liz, though, is like, this is an excellent voice actress because mm. we we buy this hook, line, and sinker. And then, I mean, then you hear the goofy voice she does. But even then, it was still a well-fleshed-out, separate character she was doing. <laughs> and backstory uh, and everything. Brava. You know. It's a monster who just does not look kindly on rudeness. Mm. No. <laughs> what do you care? What do you care if I ate her? You weren't You were listening. listening to her. Ah. <sighs> Okay, can we talk about that planet again, though? Now that now that we're no the class L planet, yeah. So like, I guess I guess you know this is what Caitlin was talking about too. But I think I think the reason it's you know I guess presumably one class category over from habitable planet is because it is technically temporarily habitable. Because like when we see them, you know, shuttle down to go and look for Cusack. They're not wearing. They're not wearing any equipment, right? Like they're not. They're just in their no, uniforms. No. They're just standing there while rain, while rain is pouring down on them. So presumably that rain is water, or at least something as mild as water. I wonder. So you know, if a, a habitable a habitable planet is Class M, I think that's more about like what elements are there already that so. could sustain life. Yeah. And Class M planets just have all the ingredients. They may not necessarily be necessarily be habitable in their current state, but you could probably like grow some plants, do some shit on the planet. It has all the the elements that are necessary in the right proportions. Right. Whilst a class L, they say, they say specifically like there is a ton of carbon dioxide in this atmosphere, in this uh, yeah, in this yeah, in, on the world yeah. on the surface where you would be doing the breathing. You wouldn't be able to live here, but it has these ingredients. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, it makes sense here where this is. It's not quite class M because in order to in order to stay long term, you need special equipment you need a some, lot of you, drugs. Need, you need to employ some sort of yeah you need the triox or you need to build a you know habitation dome or something like that because the the environment on its own cannot sustain life in you know in the long term because hypoxia but if that's the case so, what is an a like what would a type a planet be then jupiter on fire like, just mm-hmm. nothing but fire i don't know cause I, I don't know that the planet classes are necessarily like Alphabetical. Actually, an alphabetical listing of from can survive to can't survive with M being in the middle at like the most habitable. I don't know. I, I really don't know what the class because I'm sure it's- that like there are weird class planets that are like the atmosphere is just, you know, is a fluid or something. Uh, that would be a class J, a type of gas giant. That's, oh, there you go. oh, so Jupiter is not an A, but a J. Mm-hmm. That fits. You can call me. Jane. They have all the classes here? Uh, all that have been spoken, which are very few. Class D, uninhabitable planetoid, moon, or small planet. I got your class D right here. Hey. Uh, <laughs> hey Good example being regular. Class H, 
Genuinely, Wait, which I'm, regular? Uh, the from Star Trek Two. Regular one. Oh. The one the space station was orbiting. Okay. Class H, generally uninhabitable for humans, though viable for Sheliac. For who? Ah. The Sheliac. Oh, right, because that's because they were going to uh, they were going to wipe out that uh, Federation colony. colony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether you leave or not, and Data's going to blow up your waterworks. Yes. Class J, gas giant. Class K, adaptable for humans by use of artificial biospheres. Okay. Uh, class L, marginally habitable with vegetation, but usually no animal life. Class M, of course. N and R have been mentioned, but not been given descriptors. T is a different kind of gas giant from a Class J. <laughs> and like class a hot w- Jupiter or something? Uh, maybe. Oh, probably. And uh, Class Y, demon. Ooh. Oh, a yeah, the demon a, class planet. What? Yeah. <laughs> a I world guess. with a toxic That's... atmosphere and surface temperatures exceeding 500 degrees Kelvin. This is where Bellana goes in Voyager, isn't so it? like Venus. <laughs> there is, there is, it is, a, I'm pretty sure it is a Voyager thing. Prone to thermionic no, no. radiation goes to discharges. literal hell in uh, Voyager. What? What? There's a there's an episode of Voyager We're where Bellana goes to Stovacor. I mean, the place. It sounds kind of just also where like the power rates hang out. Speaking Wait, did of you the say Stovacor, Stovacor is like hell. Well, no, the no. afterlife. The afterlife. All right, because I thought Stovacor was like the good place. Yeah, it's Great like, Thor is it's hell. Like, it's like Elysium or something. Oh. Valhalla. Well, that's different. Going going to literal hell or literally literal heaven is a big difference. Yeah. There's I my mean, segue. There, a, there is a river, nope. of, like a lake of blood or something. <laughs> and there it goes. There it the goes. Right <laughs> there it goes. Every time. Every time I'm like, let's move on. Rolling down the to the moving on from to talking about heaven and hell. Let's talk about some prophets because Jesus hey. fucking Christ. Tears of the prophets. <laughs> All right. Here we are. Doing the thing, Admiral Admiral Ross comes over and, and gives Cisco the Christopher Pike beeping wheelie chair of honor. <laughs> Fuck. And then he tells him, "We're putting you in charge of invading Cardassia. Good luck." And then yeets the fuck out of there. So Cisco decides to pull a Cisco and target the Chintoka system, where, unbeknownst to Starfleet, Damar is installing these CGI-ass weapons platforms that are gonna suck a whole lot. Good choice, Cisco. A whole bunch of shit is happening on DS9. I'm gonna skip some of it because, well, there's a lot happening here. One of the things is uh, Jadzia and Worf reveal that they want to have better children than Alexander. And even though... We've been done with it for the last several seasons. Quark and Bashir go have a moke, a mope with fucking Vic. God Ugh. damn it, Vic. Because complete with full length song. All of a whole fucking song. Eight minutes of song. No, it wasn't. It was, it was, like, ver- it was like two verses. It was not it that was much song. It was way too long. It oh, it was too much. I, oh, wait a minute. I didn't say it was not too much. I just said it wasn't that much. 15 minutes of song. Just <laughs> Three and a half <laughs> hours of song. It was a full opera. <laughs> yeah, the song so is they, still they're going. Just, they're moping that they're not banging Jedzia. Gross, guys. Real fucking gross. So we also get, aside from a very long song, is a very long boardroom scene in which the Rymelins just sass at the Klingons for like 20 minutes. I don't, I, I paid no attention during that scene because I tuned out. So apologies, I had no idea what went out of that scene. <laughs> no, you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in Dominion land, Dukat is back from his mental breakdown and he's here to swagger up the place, which I'm into. 
and he decides, I have a, a plan that's even crazier than a Cisco plan. I want to attack the prophets themselves. To which I say, fuck yes, Dukat, you go get him, buddy. Speaking of the prophets, Cisco has another one of his lame-ass visions. They're getting lamer and lamer every time we see them. They really are. Yeah, well, and they tell, them, they tell them something entirely indiscernible, and he's like, damn it, prophets, can't you just appear in a piece of toast like normal gods? Jeez. And Ross gives him this this amazing speech about how, Cisco, pick a fucking lane, dude. Do whatever you want as long as you make a damn decision. So we decide, Chintoka system as planned it is. Yay! Mm. Even though the prophets just explicitly told me not to go, I'm gonna go. It wasn't that explicit, because they're really dumb in how they tell you to do things. Um, yeah, but he knew what they meant. Yeah, no, he's an idiot. Dukat, who, <laughs> God, we've been saying Dukat's gone full-ass supervillain now, and it's great, and I'm loving it. He goes and gets himself possessed by Cost Emojin. Oh, I um, hated it. Who will remember, or it will also be, it'll be clearer that Cost Emojin is that same power rate that possessed Jake a couple weeks ago. So really, all of this is Kai Wynn's fault. I'm going to blame her. Oh, that's, yeah. And he goes over to Deep Space Nine, since we've entirely forgotten that the, that the Dominion can just beam themselves wherever they want, and they're fucking unstoppable, and go Ducat go. Let's see what else happens. On the Defiant, Jake is underfoot, as Cassidy was last episode, and Garrick has been here just to give Andy Robinson something to do. And he figures out how to take, take down these weapons platforms that are fucking us every which way after a space battle that I also tuned out during, because space battles are boring. Back on turns station. Out. Turns out what, what? No, that's all. Turns yeah. out space battles are boring. I don't like them. I was em. agreeing with you. And they're no, super CG now. CGI. Oh, uh, one Jay. sec. One sec. We have a cat passing through. Oh, careful. <laughs> that was an amazing face he just made, Chris. Yeah, I was concerned he was about to do to my palm what he did to my leg last week, but he did not. Oh, yeah. Phantom got Chris good last week. Somehow it always looks like he's stepping on your balls, Chris, because yes. your eyes pop all the way out of your and head yet, and, and then I go back he, in again. I don't think he ever does. I don't think Phantom's really ever stepped on your balls. <laughs> Dimitri is more of a ball trotter than Phantom. <laughs> ball trotter. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of ball trotting, Jadzia is now fully baby crazy. And she Ugh. decides to go say hi to the prophets, even though she doesn't even believe in them in the first place. And that's when Dukat's, uh, uh, when, uh, no, I'm sorry, Cost Emojin strides in in his sexy Dukat suit. And he just kills the fuck out of her. And we're like, oh, that happened. And then he grabs the orb of defecation or whatever the fuck <laughs> it's called. And he just turns it off. Which is also wild. And that implodes the wormhole entirely. Not what he planned, but hooray! No more wormhole. The Bajorans are freaking the fuck out because the prophets are gone, which made me laugh a lot. And everyone else is sad because Jadzia is dying. Which didn't make me laugh except that Bashir came in to deliver the news wearing his very, very, very stupid surgical scrubs. I'm so sorry. Alright, so the Dax symbiote is saved. Jadzia sadly dies. Worf does the yell. And unlike in the sound he's, of her voice, he's got to work on that. His yell is bad always. Aww, poor Worf. Every time I've seen him do it, which maybe he's only been like really twice, but it's never good. No, his Michael Dorn needs good. to work on it. And then we end with, unlike the sound of her voice, we don't get the Irish wake. We get a really heartfelt monologue from Cisco about how he has failed both both sides of of his character. So he's decided to take his ball and go be a chef or something. The end. And that was a lot. Not even. He's like a... 
he's shucking like a sous the sous chef or some yeah, shit. Yeah, he was like doing like the bitch work in the kitchen. Cleaning muscles and stuff. The smallest quibble I need to get off my chest. Yeah. Was like he's out he's out back and he's scrubbing clams. And Jake comes out and is like, Grandpa Grandpa says he's gonna close down the restaurant soon. And I'm sitting there like, then why is he fucking scrubbing clams? That's food prep. <laughs> like you do that you do that when you're you know, like when you're ready to soak and cook them later. No, here's well, the maybe thing. he was just they, getting they just the grid out so they could close seafood. them tomorrow. <laughs> I heard none of what either of you just said. I think we said the same thing, but Jake, go ahead. I was just I was just saying that the, the Cisco Cisco's restaurant does not really practice good uh shellfish hygiene oh, and no. they're just gonna serve those the following day. Great. Nah, next day's fine. Or it's for dinner. Their dinner. Could be their dinner. They haven't eaten yet. Or he's just going to chuck him at kids. Yes, that's <laughs> the one. He's going to sit on the lawn, grumpy. Chuck him and chuck him. Having a mint julep because it's the South. Shuck him and chuck him. Just like, hey, hey, kid, fling. I haven't <laughs> had a mint julep while we recorded in a long time. Mm. <gasps> Why not? I don't know. Oh, I should Especially also. Especially since it's just a gin and tonic. I should also also mention this is the 150th episode of DS9. Damn. We got it. We beat them. Jesus. <laughs> so, so Vic's back. Fucking Vic. But what I appreciate is this time Vic is like, move the fuck on. What the fuck is wrong with you? I do always hate that Vic kind of has, it's not even empathy. It's like, all. it's almost mind reading that he's like, ah, oh, you're sad about Jadzia and Worf having a baby at some point. And they're like, how the fuck do you know that? And he says, oh, I just put it together with my cybernetic <laughs> no. brain. No, I'm always on. I read your personal logs. Well, but he also they- I am the show. Oh my God, he's Pup. No! Pup <laughs> wasn't erased. That Pup would be integrated with Vic. So here's the thing though, like, we already know that he can visit other holod suites, so he probably just overheard Jadzia and Worf talking about baby crazy times. Yep. And then also they requested that fucking loser song. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just saying that. Yeah, he put two and two together. That's what I mean. I, I'm, I'm just saying. Together, yeah. I'm just saying that like it doesn't exactly take a fucking genius to work that one out. He actually re- they requested loser, but then he started doing the Richard Cheese version of the Beck song. Richard they were like, Cheese? He was, so before fucking that YouTube dork came along and did like old timey covers of modern songs, there was Richard Cheese who did lounge versions of pop songs. Okay, this Dick has nothing cheese. to do with Chuck E. Cheese. No. No, 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 no. Charles Enter enter Entertainment. Entertainment <laughs> Cheese? <laughs> wow. Entertainment is my middle name. That's correct. No, it is. They established that. That is officially, that is canonically what the E stands for. Mr. Cheese is my father. (laughs) (laughs) What about Mayor McCheese? Where does he fit into the cheese empire? (laughs) God. In Scotland. Um, So, my, so, so, okay. Aside from the fact that we have to see Vic Fontaine at all and listen to a whole ass song. So the other song. thing, this is okay, I feel but like, like half a song. I feel like the, the five years of song. I feel like <laughs> this was another missed opportunity for Ferenginess because, like, I mean, first of all, this is the first time. Like, I, well, maybe it's probably not the first time, but like, it's it's very unusual to see Quark in a Hollow Suite. 
It's not usually it it's not usually what he does. That's a good point. We we don't like he, that's like that's not that's that's what he sells, you know? Like he's busy yeah. running other things and making money elsewhere. Um yeah, if that's... he's in the Hollow Suite, he can't be making money from the Hollow Suite. It's like that Punnett Square I've seen where it's like how people get entertained <laughs> and it's like, you know, poor people entertaining poor people is theater. Rich people entertaining rich people is finances. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But I was so, gonna say an eyes wide shut party. Oh, goodness. oh my! Mm. Yeah, that there's a Hollow Suite program for that. But like his reaction to Vic, I I would have expected more out of him. The most we get was when he's like, "What is what is he a telepath?" Which like I would you know in my mind would send Quark down a thought train of like, so he's like all knowing and also turn a bit- him off. Turn but, him off, yeah, Quark. It's either turn him off because, like, I have I have this infecting my Hollow Suite system. I don't like <laughs> this. I don't. I don't. Well, what what is he going to mess with that I that I can't control or that I'm going to need to get my brother to try and fix? And two, or and or two. How can I make more money off of this? Can we make more Vic Fontaines? Because oh, no. everyone seems to love this guy. Can we make a Vic Fontaine franchise? Can we sell him out to other Hollow Suite users elsewhere in the quadrant? Well, it's he like, did say he'd be spending more time there, so maybe that's what he meant by it. It's like old Vic Fontaine, nice. but he's got a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> new hat. Vic Fontaine, but it's a lady and tits. Ooh. Tits Fontaine. Tits Fontaine. <laughs> there it is. Here's the other issue, though, is like, I don't give a shit that Julian and Quark are still holding a candle for Jedzia because that's no. stupid as hell. Yeah, no, like Julian especially was like over that. We ditched that aspect of his yes, character. Yes, they were friends. Up. They cuddled to stay alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've gotten past all this bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's sad to see the regression. Mm-hmm. I care because it's fucking stupid. I hate it. And it's also... I really I mean, hate it. It's also annoying from Quark, but not well, as annoying because he's Quark. Well, but again, like, also, though, we've already seen him reverting back yeah. to this bullshit, too. I mean, not to mention, obviously, the most transphobic, fucked up, rapey episode ever. Like, you know, him being like, just a reminder that I'm your boss and you should fuck me if you want to keep me happy stuff. It's like, great. Yeah, we were, we we had forgotten that you had that fuck your employees clause. But now we remember again. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just I don't understand why the end of this. And and honestly, like even even Jedzia, who is getting the goddamn shaft. Has gone from boys to babies, yeah. which to me is just this another the other side of the same fucking coin. You know, it's just, it's just like to clarify though, he's a Klingon. She's getting the shafts. I, I, was, I was waiting to get that joke, in, Chris. I'm glad you did it instead of me. But no, like, <laughs> I, I but. You're yeah, you're spot on, Caitlin. Because like between this and you know profits, profit and lace, and like so many other just ho- bullshit moments throughout this season, I ca- sat there wondering like, what dude joined, like took over the you know, like took a dominant role in the writing team to suddenly make everything just gross. It's the same team. That's the weirdest thing. Like, it's been the, the same happened? team for the last couple seasons. Ever since Michael Pillar walked off and Ira Bear got the got the show running, he's been the one more or less in charge. And there's been a lot of good stuff that they've done. Yeah. So what the fuck happened? Like, well, they, keep in mind that Iris Stephen Bear thought that Profit and Lace was going to be like, oh, you know, uh, a classic. Uh, oh, that was yeah. Pillar. Episode. Pillar said that. Oh, Pillar said this will okay. be a yeah, classic. Oh, okay, I thought that was Iris Stephen Bear. Can we somehow blame 
Berman, uh, Berman. the ghost of yeah. Roddenberry. Yeah. <laughs> that too. I mean, <coughs> it's just like this is. Mm. I watch this. I'm like, oh god, it's so dated. It's so just like that old school humor of just like what well, I mean. You guys already talked about problem lace, but I was just like, it was stuff like that where I'm watching it and I'm just suddenly like, I'm having just this vision in my head of a room full of men talking about, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing things as a woman. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great stuff. Glad you decided to waste time on this when we could have, like, Klingons and Romulans. Great, thanks. Flames. Flames. <laughs> for the side of my face. Well, like, and we like, had good, like, the- William Ducat moments. That Romulan senator was, like, my favorite. He was great. I think <laughs> he was, he was the sexiest one. But I kind of felt bad for, during that scene, though, because he basically kept just insulting Martok to his face and everybody kept being like, Martok, calm down. And it's like, <laughs> OK, but on the other hand, this guy basically just keeps being like, oh, it's a good thing this savage doesn't understand anything I'm saying. And Martok's like, you fucking Patak. And they're like, no, I don't know. I'm just saying he's speaking of getting the shaft. As far as I know, Romulans only have the one. Stop it. Stop it. That's enough. No, but, none of that. I don't know. I, I think... I, my impression of that was it's like, okay, <coughs> Romulans, we were about to lose this war. Mm-hmm. And then the Romulans came in. So, and they know that they came in and saved everybody's ass sorry, by joining we the tri- war. We tricked them into well, joining yes. the war. Well, they don't know that part yet. So, really, Cisco's yeah, getting a- the last laugh in this room. Um, <laughs> but they think that they came in and saved everybody's ass. And they're. They're, they know that they have leverage and that they can afford to be insulting people because it's not like Martok's going to say, we don't want your help anymore. Mm-hmm. So Martok might say that and they might have to say, don't listen to him. <laughs> well, that's probably why they're telling Martok to shut the yeah. fuck up and calm down, because they know if this escalates, that's what will happen. That's probably true. Fine. But still. Yeah, that's that that would be my read on it, too. They should have enlisted the first Federation. This war yeah. would have been over yesterday. We yeah, fought with puppets. Yep. <laughs> you know that they've developed a Corbomite bomb at this point, so <laughs> just dump that on uh, Cardassia. So I, I quoted her earlier, and I can't help but think, Madeline Kahn, should we have seen her as a Klingon? Because I think it would have worked. I think she'd make a great Romulan. Mm. <laughs> I think yeah. should have been her character from Blazing Saddles and had sex with a Klingon and is like, is it true about Klingons? And then she's like, it's true, it's true. <laughs> what with the two dicks and all. Thank you. Thank you for uh, clarifying. But, but seriously, folks. <laughs> but Man, no, I, I, I would honestly, Madeline Khan should have been in everything, so I would have been fine with that. Uh, we actually, we watched Blazing Saddles recently. Overall, its, it's message still hits pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm. We also recently rewatched Young Frankenstein. Couple of jokes there haven't aged great, but overall it holds up. Okay, we have a lot of Tears of the Prophets to talk about without talking about movies Madeline Kahn has been in. That's true. (laughs) I mean, what about a a movie that she wasn't in? Because there are a couple jokes in Iron Man that don't hit so well anymore either. (laughs) The fuck are we talking about? (laughs) So, actually, so seriously though, joking aside, it's interesting because joking like, aside, I there really like, are some off-color jokes in Iron Man. Go on. I feel like kind of like this is one of those episodes where like everything and nothing happens simultaneously. Oh my god, I had I had the same reaction where that was a lot that happened. I feel like we haven't made a ton of ground. Yeah, yeah. like 
We got the Chintaka system. It was all fucking mm. over the place. Yeah, we got the Chintaka system, and they finally did it, Ames. Yay! They broke the wormhole for you. Don't let Federation... Uh, I, I the loved, Federation. loved the scene where Dukat calls up <laughs> Wayun from, I noticed, from his fe- still-functioning Federation shuttle. Yay! <laughs> he calls up Wayun acting like, hey, guys... We had a great fucking victory in Wayun's like, no, we didn't. We just got our asses handed to us. No, no, no. It's amazing. This is the best victory the Dominion has ever had. We cut off the Bajorans from their gods. <laughs> like to him, that's the most important thing that has happened ever. Oh, and Cisco's gonna be real sad. <laughs> like, I really wish that at that point they cut back to Wayun as he had a fatal fucking aneurysm. And they just <laughs> they had to wheel in a new clone well, yeah, of like Wayun. They were just, they've got one already strapped to like one of those fucking gurneys. And like, oh, for fuck's sake. What about the next Wayun? <laughs> this one well, can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> the, the, the whole, like, every interaction they had was amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, at first, just him and Damar, first of all, like, God, you fuck ups. And Damar's like, uh, weapons platform. And he's like, maybe you're not. <laughs> and then Ducat walks oh, but in. It has a centralized power source that is very easy to destroy yeah. if you just trick the, the platforms into firing on it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, no one, Damar. No you're one, back on the list. No one ever considers the Federation always pulls weird magic. Mm. And what I appreciated, too, was when the chief suggests weird magic and Kira makes a face like, what the fuck is he talking about? And Worf goes, no, no, it might work. And she's like, OK, do that then. <laughs> Fucking humans. <laughs> but yeah, then then Dukat shows up and he's just like just obsessed with killing Cisco now. Yeah. And Wayun's like, you've really lost the plot. He, he doesn't care about the war. He cares about his own shit, which is hilarious. He is like that. He is the possessive abusive ex-boyfriend, not only of Cisco, but of Bajor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Like just Bajor is the one that got away and he doesn't like it. He'd be he'd like, no, Bajor belongs to me. I am. I, I know what's best for Bajor because Bajor is for me. Yeah, he is very Skullcrusher Mountain. <laughs> not a bad comparison. Uh, don't I'm going to have the song stuck in my head. So it's a good song. Let's talk about the Kostomogen because the Kostomogen, what the Kostomogen lived in a Bajoran tablet that was buried underground for thousands of years. And he also lived in that little statue that Dukai. I imagine there's like a, 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 an energy that connects things or something. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's what we're So the Kostomogen, even though it's a single, singular entity, so to speak, it, it can live in multiple things at once. Well, it's got a bunch of horcruxes. Yeah, it's mm. it's unclear, and it's also in a future episode. It is confirmed that that is Costumogen. This one, it could just literally be any Pawraith. Just a for Pawraith. for argument's sake. But it, it, I know, I happen to know, it gets confirmed that that is Costumogen, which was the inhabitant of Jake in that episode with the with the fireball f- fight. Well, you can yeah. tell it's him because it has it had his eyes. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the bizarre nature of the prophets and the pirate pirates, I feel like it's not a huge stretch to say that their essence could easily be divided and what's the word exist in multiple vessels. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if anything, now it's more powerful because oh shit, there's two, two bits of me that are together now. 
Yeah. Or so, it's like they, or it's like how the the prophets live in, uh, live outside of time that the paw wraiths could live outside of space. Yeah. 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 It also, doesn't really. I matter just as figured much. they have a home and he's got a summer home. It's not that unusual. If you were a <laughs> god, you'd have a couple of houses. I guess I would also think of it as MBD. not necessarily. You know, inside this little doll is is a paw wraith or is part of a paw wraith. So much as inside of this is is some is some sort of thing that is a more effective and stronger conduit that makes that by which the paw wraith could more easily flow through and you know interact with the. It's a, it's world. a cell phone. Yeah, it's a or it's like a it's a cell tower. It's a signal. Yeah, cost, Costco emoji was hanging out somewhere. Costco you know, and uh, nice. Ducat broke the thing and he was like, I gotta take this. Ahoy hoy. <laughs> What's that? You want to cut off the Bajorans from their gods? I'll be right there. See, I think it was also like Ducat didn't realize it was going to destroy the wormhole. I don't think he had any idea what it was going to do. I think he thought it was just going to go kill the prophets. Yeah. And the fact that now the wormhole is gone, it means... All the Dominion folk currently in the Alpha Quadrant still aren't going to get reinforcements, and now they can't go home. And yeah. what the hell does that mean? Yeah. They're really getting some big Belloc energy off of Ducat in this one. Yeah, I actually, I mean, just in general, with, with his uh, sudden, like, suddenly he's like, we're just going to use their gods and, you know, this obsession with Bajoran relics. And I'm like, this is very mid-20th century fascist. Like, get yourself Oh, that Belloc. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought... Yeah, I, I was thinking of the first federation. Baylock, uh, who's Baylock Bay- again? I know this has come up before. He's from he's from the the Indiana Jones. Sure, oh. I believe you. He's he's the one that wants to use the Ark of the Covenant as a weapon, as a weapon, because you know, and he's an you know, he's a Nazi, so because that's what it makes Nazis sense did. They that they're to. using a ju- yeah. Jewish relic yeah. to. Yeah, he was like Indiana Jones's uh, French equivalent, but. But yeah, like it's pretty when he's setting out the thing and then he does the ritual, but it doesn't go quite as expected. Like, I don't think he was expecting to get possessed either. No, nah, he was expecting I think he something was. powerful. I yeah, really? Think, I, think pos- I think possession, yeah. I, I think possession was an, was an accepted possibility to Ducat. That's that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Because yeah. he's been doing his Bajoran research, and mm. we've saw recently, we've, we've seen a bunch of times where Pares have possessed people at this point. Mm. Mm. I feel like that's something yeah. that he could have access to. Yeah, good point. I just love the idea of, like, for the past several months, Dukat's just been in the basement of Cardassian libraries, like fucking Gandalf and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, the question is, was Kostomogen also the paw wraith that inhabited Keiko that time? Oh. Ooh, good question. Maybe there's only one paw wraith. Maybe it's Was that one straight Kostomogen? up killed or just flushed out of her? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Because if it was killed, then maybe not. I don't know that you could still could be wraith. because they exist outside of time. But mm. were you saying, Jake? I said I don't know that you can kill a paw wraith, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably know. it can't be too easy. I'm sure the prophets can kill them. Sure. Or, well, they can, but they got to use that that chest beam of light. Yeah. They got to do the wizard fight. Yes. Yeah. Can we talk about Dax? Yes. And just like. I, I have problems with with both her death scenes. Effectively, I want to I want to hear these problems. So, like, okay, the way it plays out, right, is she's in you know the Bajoran temple and talking to the prophets, and everything's coming up Jadzia, and it's great. And then suddenly, because for whatever reason, even during a war, 
no, but like there's no security system that will detect secret transport activity on DS9. Ducat comes in, he, 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 you know, bamps in, he kills her, he does the thing, and then he bamps out. And then the next, you know, the next scene that continues this is Bashir coming out in, you know, his red dress being like, I'm sorry, I <laughs> managed to say the symbiont, but I couldn't do anything for Jedzia. And then th- literally seconds later, she's still alive. Like she's dying, but like she's still Bare- alive. But she's, yeah, she's, she's barely she's, there. She, they, she plot has, sur- has made her survive long enough to apologize about the baby. I hated and that. And then Ugh. she died. When like she needed a better end line. Like she was and the fact that she was just she was immediately warped is what she was when Ducat shows up mm. because he shows up and there's not like I was like I would ex- at least expect like she could go down with a fight and then that would be her last scene. Mm. And then the next scene they're with her corpse because she already got yep. her goodbye her loving goodbye with with Worf before with like even he even like did the, the like a half dip for their kiss. It was all very loving and sweet. <laughs> and then they left and like that's a good term to leave it on. That's very merciful. Mm-hmm. It's nice. You know, they could have had a fight before he left and then he would regret that forever. Yeah. Instead, it he was could this. still do the yell he could still do the yell and chant over the the recently deceased right. corpse. Right. It would it's, still be meaningful. Instead, it was just long enough to be, for her to be like, the baby, I'm sorry. And I I don't see how that was needed. It's funny because I know, I think it was Renee Echeverria because it was at least one person on the writing team because they, they've been fi- trying to figure out the Jedzia death since they learned Terry Farrell was leaving. And they're like, well, the only, like, we should kill her off so that it's clear that she's why she's no longer around after this season of hype of, of building her up as Worf's wife. So that there's like a, a finality to Jedzia. And then they I think they determined later on that the Dax symbiont would survive. And originally it was going to be like, what if she goes and has a final battle with Dukat slash Costumogen slash whatever else is going mm. on and that she just gets phasered to death and dies. And I think it was Renee Echeverria that says, I think there needs to be a goodbye moment with her and Worf. Mm. if not with her and anybody else in that room, that they really, really wanted that goodbye moment and for her to have survived long enough to have that. Yeah, I disagree completely. I feel I like it's blow, blow up in a shuttle is fun. I like, I mean, yeah, no, I don't think that extra scene had a, like, gave any nice emotion. Like, I'm sure they were thinking, no, like, and like you said, it, sherry it, on it. it reduced and undercut her again. Yeah. One more time. One more time. Let's define Jadzia by like Baby. her relationship to like Boys. the 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 men and like you know yeah, yeah no yeah. I and especially Yuck. since in the previous scene like she didn't even get much of a send off there either because like she was it was it was essentially Tasha Yar all over again just insta death yeah which I you think yeah. I would have been okay with insta death just because I think it would have shown the brutality of the coast emojin. Yeah. That's, I that also is, think that is reasonable, but the fact that in this gigantic dominion war, which has had casualties in the many millions, mm. the fact that every single one of our characters has survived this whole time me- leads you to think the stakes aren't as high as mm-hmm. they actually are. So yes, killing somebody in the middle of this war aces. You, it, I'm surprised it hasn't happened a couple times. Kill Rom. Fucking damn it. Um, so I, I, su- I support. Could you also get Lita? <laughs> why not? Yes, yeah, so I have to play baseball in a few weeks. Oh, God damn it. 
But yeah, so I think, yeah, giving her a, a wartime death would also have been interesting to me as a, as a way to like cement like, yes, this does still suck, by the way. I know we keep having occasional small victories, but Jesus Christ, war is stupid. Yeah, you don't always get to survive war just because you're a prominent character. Yep. Like sometimes you just die. Yeah. Well, and I also think that having it so that, you know, there's this big battle going on where it's going to be very dangerous and ships are being destroyed left and right at this battle. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you, you kind of could be lulled into thinking, okay, Jed Z is going to be safe because she's back at home. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, well, that's where the, that's where the death actually happened. That's where the, the true danger was there. That would have been nice if yeah. they underscored that. Like if, yeah. if the crew of the oh, Defiant yeah. were more in danger. And and you're left wondering if, you know, if something's going to happen to them. And then then plot twist, Jed, it's Jedzia mm. who, who gets it. That would have been one thing about that battle, too, though, is that like it did not feel to me like the stakes were all that high for for our crew. Like like it was immediately at the start of the battle. You see like the Jem'Hadar doing kamikaze runs and Ooh. taking out Klingon battle cruisers. And it's just it's a shit show. But the Defiant seemed okay the whole time yeah yeah it may be upset because i know like there was a big deal in like a scene that jake wants to be on the defiant so he can keep doing his reportering thing sure jake whatever the fuck you want you're a main (laughs) character you can be on the main ship and if and if it blows up all the main characters get killed good for you and that never really came up except like one scene where it's like jake you're underfoot get out of the fucking way the crew of the defiant was in more danger in the last episode when cisco decided of his own volition that he and two other ca- two other main characters were going to go down on a tiny craft into a planet that could just easily buckle the entire <laughs> thing in on itself. Mm. Like, <laughs> or at least that's how it felt, you know? Actually, yeah. If they, like if they had put Jake on like say Martok ship or something and yeah. Yeah. And then the t- you would have seen the tension of the crew knowing that Jake was in danger, like maybe something was happening to Martok ship and you know, Jake was in danger. And watching is like you like you said, Jem'Hadar kamikaze ships are just yeah. like smashing into a, or even just any other Starfleet ship because they're all just cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. That would have all been that like that would have all been very interesting to yeah to, raise to those have that sudden right you know left turn into Dax's death and then mm-hmm. maybe not have her live long enough to say sorry about yeah the baby. like when somebody uh, I think it's um Kira on the bridge of the Defiant says like, oh, we're getting a phone call from from somebody. You think like, could is it one of the ships saying that they're going out or is it, you know, coming from home? Like having a moment of fuck who just died might have been nice. Mm. Yeah. And then for that twist of, oh, it was not what we were expecting. Twist the fucking knife. Yeah. But yeah, if she had to live, her last word should have been something like stomp on Dukat's nuts or <laughs> something. I also hated Ducat's gross little, like, if it's any consolation, I didn't mean you any harm, or whatever the fuck. It was like... Hmm. Felt very in character, though. Yeah, I it was guess. him. I didn't mind yeah. it. It's the kind of thing he would say. Yeah. Yeah, because the he's that, the hero. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, right. I did something not heroic, but that wasn't my fault. I think he is one of the most consistent characters in this show. Like, yeah. even after he's gone off the deep end and his ultimate goal has changed somewhat, his motivation and basic mora- moral structure are almost completely unaltered. Mm. Here, here. Which is what? He wants to bang Bajorans? He wants, to Bajor- he wants Bajorans to thank him for being him. Yeah. He wants them to see how much better it would have been if he was still in charge. 
Thank you for being girl to come. Yeah. Oh, I might have missed. Thank you for being a gull. There we go. <laughs> I might have missed the the strategic importance of Chintaka. Was it? Because I know they were like, oh, we got to take out their shipyards and stuff, but it didn't look like that was a shipyard. So it was. It says also a step closer to Cardassia Prime. Ah. Uh, and it was an option because. Damar had moved some ships to deal with Bromulan incursions. Oh, and, and so this weakened that area in general, which is kind of what made it a candidate. Yeah, this was before they knew about those battle droid things. Yeah. Battle platforms. Well, also, like, I know, so at the end of the battle, after, it, you know, they took out the, the platforms and it was pretty clear that they'd won. I noticed that there were, like, other than the Jem'Hadar, there weren't, like, there was not a lot of ships at all there. You know, they they got rid of the Jem'Hadar pretty quickly, and then it was just the platforms. So as soon as they were able to take out the platforms, they had a clear path to the to the planet, and you know, all set. But I noticed that Martok's like, "All right, we're gonna land some ground troops," and I know we've talked about that before. And like, why why are we landing ground troops? We have spaceships. I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible the planet also has ground defenses that can be used against starships. I guess you also Klingons, have to... Klingons prefer that hand-to-hand shit. They want to feel the blood of their enemies spraying well, on their well, faces. That's what I was thinking. Is it just that... Is, is, is Martok sending people down there to slaughter the populace? No, or, no, the soldiers. Or at least to, like, I'm seal sure the deal. It. Like, to go into whatever, you know, capital or headquarters, you know, and just occupy mm. this place that they've just won over. Yeah, because you want to keep the system, and... That means taking the planets as well. Yeah. Apropos of nothing, one thing I haven't mentioned yet is Odo and Kira were having a spat. That oh, was... yeah. I forgot that among the 12 other plots. Yeah, I found yeah, that Odo was, was doing his job. not so bad. I, it actually made me like Oda, Odo and Kira a little more as a couple because of, of how they handled that, that side plot. Hmm. I thought the resolution yeah, was... Yeah, it was... Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I, th- I thought the resolution, like... That that I was like, okay, this this scene is nice. Like that that the way they the way they patch it up. Like yeah. I loved Odo's Odo line. Mm-hmm. He says something to the effect of observing relationships and being in one are different things. And I said, good Ooh. for you, Odo. That's a good up. Ob- that's good for you. I like it. Like it's a fine arc. I just yeah. it should have been in an episode that was less busy and less crucial. Yeah. Well, otherwise, Odo had nothing to do, and yeah. then Kira eventually ends up taking control of the Defiant for reasons. Because Ben Sisko had a had felt the the, prophets. the I thought Worf yeah. took over when there was no Sisko though. I think I think Kira. Didn't I mean, I know she's not Starfleet, but I think she like when she's on the Defiant, she's basically the second in command. I don't know. Yeah, weird. the thing is, she's normally not there. So does like Bajor is- still have a non-aggression pact with the Dominion? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I imagine they do. That's yeah, having a Bajoran officer command an assault ship mm. in a is kind of a, a a bad look. Kai wins. No one, pissed. no one told anybody that Kira was there. She, she just wanted to get away from Odo because she's actually still pissed. <laughs> just, they should just give her a Starfleet commission just so they can Wait, get around. I don't around think she'd take ship. it. That's probably true. Yeah, I think she'd be like, "Fuck this it. uniform! I hate it." Yeah. It's, I don't like the cut of this uniform. Nah. It makes me not look approachable enough. <laughs> Shoulders. Ugh. 
there there was one moment that that hasn't come up yet that I I wanted to at least call attention to and acknowledge, which was yeah, the yeah, yeah. Damar and Wayun with the I was going to bring that up. All this talk of gods reeks of, reeks of superstitious nonsense. <laughs> yeah, but your people worship the changelings. That doesn't count. Just that's the, real. They are gods. The that's totally real. His delivery of that's different. They are gods. Is just like hundred percent <laughs> genuine. It's it's so yep. perfect. Yep. I just love Wayun. <laughs> I know he's a bad little bastard, but I really like him. Oh, he's great. Can't help it. I have to say that, and I think Chris disagreed with me when I said this, but I'm going to say it again anyway, because I'm just looking to be offended. I Um, haven't heard what this is yet. What are we talking about? Well, I was annoyed at the end because I feel like, aside from Jadzia being like, sorry about the baby. Quickly, quickly harvest my eggs. I felt like... Ben goes in and is like, I have to talk to you one more time. And I felt almost like he made it all about him. Like I felt like her being gone was suddenly all about him. And I agree that some of it was very sweet, but some of it just felt like, I don't know. I was a little put off by it. Yeah, I, I read a little about because the the writers like had so many drafts of that final monologue because they, they needed it to be weighty because two things have happened. We've lost Dax and we've lost the wormhole. So Cisco has lost both things that he was fucking responsible for being his crew and being the fucking Bajoran emissary nonsense. Mm. And they, they had to make sure that it was clear that they like. There was enough going on for Cisco to want to take his ball and leave without just being like, oh, my friend died. They wanted to put him at his wit's end. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and uh, at least at that that point, he's, you know, he's he's talking to a corpse at that point. Like he's talking to the memory of her, Um, which, you know, that that can be a moment where you're thinking less of that person because they're not there anymore. But it's a fair critique. I think it's just, you know, it was meant to be our. Our our moment of of seeing Cisco's just height of vulnerability. I'm fed up. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also difficult in like a 45 minute episode of television to like really yeah do like a grief thing. Yeah, especially like, since I'm, so many things happened in this episode. Yeah. Oh my to, god. So I, I feel many. overwhelmed by all the things. Overwhelmed, you say? Overwhelmed, Quill Wheaton. Tops yeah, and bottoms? I, tops and bottoms? Oh, man. Oh, we're doing it is running. We're running very long. I have right, to how off. do we want to do this? Uh, the way do we, we always al- do. The way we always do. Try to take over the world. Hey. Hey. Liz, you start. No, I don't want to start. Tops or bottoms? Bottoms. Bottoms first? Yep. Bottoms I'll go. up. Go. His way, because fuck that stupid episode. Profit and Lace, because fuck that stupid episode. <laughs> And Tears of the Prophets, because how fucking dare you, as usual, fucking Star Trek, kill off a great fucking character with a bullshit fucking episode. Fuck this bullshit episode. Done. I'll go next. Yeah, from least worst to worst worst. You know what? I'm actually going to make a last minute swap. Whoa, you never do that, Chris. You have the courage of your convictions. Not today. Tears of the Prophets. Oh, shit. Wow. A really just cluttered mess of an episode like you said aim so much happened but we haven't gained any ground and what a terrible way to write off Jadzia. to his way i like the idea of it but the execution was terrible 
I don't even like the idea of it, so good on good <laughs> try, Chris. And Prophet and Lace, because Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and I didn't make that clear, but I would say that that would be mine as well. It would be the worst worst was Prophet and Lace, and the least worst was Tears of the Prophet. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. With his way couched in between. Mm. But yeah, Prophet and Lace was terrible. It was... Offensive. Offensive. And I mean, like, and I think- Code of Honor Season 1 of TNG Offensive. Here, I'll, Just... I'll go next, because I want to build on that. Yuck. Because my least least favorite is also Prophet and Lace. And the thing that I really hate about Prophet and Lace is that while we've seen racist, misogynistic, ableist episodes in the past and all this shit, this one just may- tried to make a joke out of it, which is yeah. emphatically wrong. And make it like the worst you can do with this kind of material is try to make it a joke. Yeah, that's true. My other absolutely stupid episodes this season, His Way, Pointless, entirely pointless and my final it's 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 close between these two so honorable mention to chimes orphan because i felt that that was never fucking established but my my third on the list is going to be statistical probabilities because fuck jack and his crew i was gonna say is that was a bashir's angels yeah wow Uh i'll go next because this is funny what's funny so and I'll, I'll even I'll hold it up to the camera so that you can see. It. Oh, hang on, I'm um, typing on my fucking to, thing. to prove that uh, to prove that I'm not bullshitting. So my bottoms are in basically this order from least worst or from most worst to least worst. Profit and lace for the reasons that have already been established. His way for having too many goddamn musical numbers. <laughs> and then my third least favorite this season was Times Orphan. Ah! With an honorable mention to statistical probabilities. Yes. Wow. Oh, you can't. You pro- there it is. I, uh, I, I wrote, can see it was it. written in my phone. Damn. Can't see it, but so I, I'm the I'm very close to Ames. Just flipped that last bit. So since I did my first ever eleventh hour swap, the original least worst for me was One Little Ship. Oh yeah, oh. One Little oh, Ship really? was shitty. Yeah, I really hated that one. I was, I mean, I was, that was a nothing episode. I didn't find anything particularly offensive about it personally, but. What about Liz, though? Uh, so, yeah, see, like, it's, it's my least worst. That's, that's hard to pick. Yeah. But I think in terms There's of. There's a lot of competition there. If, um, there was a lot that was not good this season. There was a lot that was good, and then a lot that was not good. It was weird. I think the tough, the tough thing for me is that the, at least, like, most of the not good episodes for me this season still had something where I was like, all right, this part's interesting. At least this idea, this concept over here, like statistical probabilities, like there's something in there that could have been really interesting. And I think that in some that some of the aspects of it are like kind of cool. But I, you know, what? that's going to that's going to be on, on my on my bottom three, because uh, just the way it depicts any kind of neurodivergence or or mental disabilities like i can't i couldn't i yeah, just the whole time was like this is this is the most like this is all that classic stereotypical bullshit they were on the show that already underscores you know the importance of counseling just um, well and not to mention we had the uh what the fuck were they called the packlets yep those ones the packlets hey. who were like our you know our our low intellect Aliens and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Ugh. So then, so then, I mean, the first, the first one that was going to, that, that was immediately when I was thinking, what are my bottom three? His way, of course, entered onto my list for all the creepiness, for all the, all yep. the gross turn the known to the yes, for the unnecessariness of, of Vic Fontaine. And I legit was like, yeah, I'm going to be going into this. This is going to be my, my least favorite episode. And then I rewatched Profit and Lace and I was like, no, nope, never so mind. Sorry. Yeah. I <laughs> forgot about Profit and Lace and how incredibly bad it was and how awful the whole thing was. Just, 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 I forgot about the surgical aspect of it. Yep. And just all of the, the, just, you know, like, uh, this is, this is what has, you know, like, what, what is it about him that becomes a woman? Oh, it's just all of his, like, oh, I can't handle this. It's too much. Fuck all I of that. I have emotions. I'm feeling so emotional now. I at least, I'm glad I read the Memory Alpha article about it because that, that saved my respect for Armin Shimmerman and what he said about about his frustrations with that episode. I'm like, okay, all right, you you're all right. Everyone else oh, run yeah. notice just for writing this episode and, and executing it because what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, not Alexander Siddig for trying to like put in serious aspects of it. Everyone else, you should be ashamed. Ashamed. They, the they worst. They thought this episode. was a good idea. Dead. They thought it was going to be a fucking tr- classic. First red flag. So what was your least worst ultimately? Uh, statistical probabilities. Uh, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. Third worst. Yeah. Worst, worst is profit and fucking lace. Oh, God, the worst, worst. You heard me rant about his way. You didn't. You should have seen me watching this episode. <laughs> I was oh, legit man. curling in on myself, hiding my face like, no, God, what? Oh, no, it got worse. Uh, you are, are at this point are. <laughs> Uh, episode hasn't li- hasn't gone live for li- uh, gone live for Liz to hear yet, but nope. there were two times during watching that episode that I say like I set my notes down on the table and I was going to get up and storm out and I realized oh wait I have to watch this for the fucking podcast. <laughs> Sit back down. <laughs> I've almost done that. I have I, to stay. <laughs> I had to do that for uh, for what's it uh, Star Trek. N- you know Wrath of Benedict Cumberbatch. I paused that movie oh, and no. walked out of the room the first time I watched it. And then a few minutes later, came back in like, I'm going to finish this trash heap, I guess. Mm. I almost did that for Profit and Lace. I w- it was almost like, yeah. I-, I think at one point I did pause. I'm like, I need a drink. <laughs> I will get like, a drink afterwards. I don't need it right now. But oh, God. Profit and Lace is, is for me, a serious contender for the worst episode of Period. any Star Trek that we've watched. Oh, yeah. I would put it worse than Code of Honor. And I fucking hate Code oh, yeah. of Honor. Yeah, it's real fucking bad. I'd rather watch Spock's Brain. Oh, yeah. I'd rather oh, watch Bem. Spock's Brain was... Oh, no. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> ben, you know what? Bem's shorter. Bem's That's shorter. That's true. It is shorter. And there's considerably less rape. Yeah, yeah I know. Bem's better. Bem is a TAS episode with the... Oh, it's fucking terrible. It's Bem really is like a, an entity made up of several little entities. Oh, okay. And he makes dumb noises, as I recall. Yeah. Honestly, we've seen some shit since then. TAS might be a f- fucking breath of fresh air nowadays. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's still pretty Speaking bad. Speaking of that breaths of fresh almost, air. Like, no, carried that away. almost broke me. Still pretty bad. Let's talk about our breaths of fresh air this season. Because yes. they were some. hard for me. I had trouble. Yeah? And I think part of the reason I had trouble is because I feel like this season was, like, mostly good. Like... Mostly good. Like, okay. Again, obviously there are some very clear, like, aberrations. Uh, Profit and Lace, the worst thing ever. I think that 
I would have to say Far Beyond the Stars is like numero uno because it was really fucking good and I really liked it. And then I have Honor Among Thieves because watching O'Brien suffer is always a good time. That one was a good one. And I just really liked the relationship between him and Jonesy or whatever his name was. And what was his name? Wasn't Jonesy. No, Jonesy's the cat from Alien. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever his name was. They had really good chemistry. And it's just more like O'Brien can't be happy porn. And then I actually, again from this week, and I know it's probably just because I have a short memory, but I put in the sound of her voice because as much as I thought that the ending was wibbly wobbly, which I really don't tend to like, I thought that the acting was really, really strong. I thought that our, I keep almost calling her Joan Cusack, and that's not it. Was it Kim? Lisa. 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 Yeah, sure. Lisa. Lisa Cusack was phenomenal. The amount of like, I I feel like you really got to know her in spite of never seeing her. And I just honestly like, I was annoyed by some of it. And then the end speeches from Bashir and O'Brien just made me go, okay, you just won me back. I'm in. I like Mm -hmm. this episode. So I just thought it was good. thought it was real good. That's it was nice. nice to like. And I, I think part of like the difficulty of deciding tops and bottoms, this was the other thing, is that the first like six episodes it's are one like big one episode. big fucking episode. And like we talked about, oh, yeah, this is this one. And this is this one. And I was like, yeah, they're all fine. So I feel like, you know, like I didn't feel very strongly about any of those. I thought they were good. I thought it was a good six part series, but I couldn't have picked like any of them. You know what I mean? Or no, a top or a bottom. Yeah. But then, again, like everything else, a lot of it was pretty good. The bad was really bad, but everything else was mostly good, with the one real true highlight being Far Beyond the Stars, which was magnificent. Though speaking of magnificent, I guess... Was that this, this season? Yeah. This, I would give that... So I, I jotted down Waltz and Who Mourns mm. for Mourn, and I guess I would also give honorable mention to... The magnificent Ferengi. Ferengi. Like, I don't want the Ferengi in my top because of how awful Profit and Lace was. That's fair. Like, it's... (laughs) The whole whole species has just been... (laughs) Yeah, it's... Well, you know, it's so... It's just, it was a resounding, like, across the entirety of the series of just, like, every Ferengi episode I ever loved, I love a little less now. Um, Nog. We still love Nog. No, yeah, Nog is Mm. perfect. But, yeah. So anyway, that's so right. how many times is the magnificent Ferengi on Chris's list? It's the uh, whole list. And <laughs> none. Whoa. Okay, I'm surprised. I thought you loved that one. I did, but what did I you mean, love, Chris? It coexists in the same season as Waltz, mm. Far Beyond the Stars, and In the Pale Moonlight. Mm. All right. I couldn't really remember the pale. What the pale it's moonlight? A it's a fake. It's a Scheming with Garrick to oh, kill a Romulan a senator. I can live that with that. That is a good one. Yeah, yeah see, yeah. that one, as I as I segue into my list, that one's so hard for me just because I know it's, un, it's objectively held up so high by a lot of people, so it's hard to actually look at it from a way that I'm trying to judge it from my own standards. Sure. Just because it's, it's memes. It's so many memes now, so it's like I walk in already knowing it, kind of like how I walked into, like, City on the Edge of Forever. My tops and bottoms, yeah. So just, be, just because In the Pale Moonlight is memes at this point, I wasn't able to really think of it subjectively. So my Fair. the ones I, I ended up going with are 
Rocks and Shoals, which really I really like. It's in the, it's in that clump of six. Yeah. But I think it stands apart because we get to see a lot of like that stuff on the planet with Kivon and oh, is it? It's not Talakhtalan. Whichever one, whichever the Jem'Hadar third of that planet was, who I really liked. The one that had been in Miri. Yeah, yeah, the Miri kid guy. I really liked him, and I kind of loved that that arc there. I forget anything that was happening on DS9 during that episode, but that's the stuff that I really liked. Was that the Alpha and Beta Jem'Hadar? No. That was one little ship. ship. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, wow. I did really dislike one little ship. (laughs) I forgot that that was part of that episode. Damn. My number two is Waltz. Um, because Ducat's, Ducat's great, but also it builds in such an amazing way for a show with two fucking characters in it. Yeah. And best of the best is Far Beyond the Stars, just because it's fucking amazing. Cool. So for me, well, I have to give, so I actually had originally put Rocks and Shoals as my third. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but I, uh, I, I swapped it out, so I gave it an honorable mention, because uh, I actually wanted to give some love to Inquisition. That was my honorable mention! God uh, damn it! Jake and I are like the <laughs> inverse person. Yeah, because, I don't know, I just, even though I object to the existence of Section 31 in every other context, I don't know, I just really liked the, the character of Sloan and the mind games, and I don't know, it was just a really fascinating episode. Next up is going to be Far Beyond the Stars. Ooh. And like, honestly, it. I, I'll, I'll explain when I get to the top one why I picked it as the top one. But Far Beyond the Stars, you know, it's it could def- very easily be the top one as well. And I think for me, I just I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a sucker for episodes of shows that do something really unexpected, but are still really good. Like uh, Ames and I have been watching this series called uh mythic quest on apple Ooh. and oh yeah it's uh, rob mcclehady's new show yeah yeah the the it's the, the guys from uh, always sunny did it and like it's interesting because it's not great like the first few episodes are kind of meh generic like, very, generic, very sitcom. generic sitcom about every a character video is a trope. game company and then out of left field, I think it's the fifth episode, so like right in the middle of the season, they plop in this episode that just takes place in a completely different time, completely different characters, no overlap, different everything. And it's like, okay, somehow this is the best episode of this show. And I think that Far Beyond the Stars kind of did a similar thing, um, mm-hmm. although Far Beyond the Stars actually did tie it back to their show. It would have been weird if it had just been an episode that took place you know in on earth in the 20th century yeah but anyway so i i could it could be almost be interchanged with my top choice which is in the pale moonlight oh i was gonna say the magnificent ferengi dang no. it God, i was so no. close i mean i i don't i still like Magnus, magnificent ferengi it is not top anything though um yeah in the pale moonlight i think maybe i have a an appreciation for it because i remember it and I have strong memories of that episode from before it was really a meme fodder. Mm. And like, it was just, it was an episode that just blew my mind when I first saw it, because it is not what you expect from Star Trek. You don't expect the heroes of Star Trek to be doing these things. And, and it's just so well done. And you get to the end of it and you're like, okay, this was really like, this this I, I don't know how to feel about this. Obviously, there's a lot of ethical problems here uh, with what Cisco does. 
Yeah, but and then the it stays time, with you. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I, I understand why he did them, and in in ways, I agree with them. So thank you, Star Trek, for making me uh, feel that way. So those are mine. That's lovely. What about Liz? Oh God. Well, I, I and Liz and, and Liz. Liz. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that's I'm glad that's a thing now. Um, I love it. That's always been um, a thing. So I overlap with you folks a lot. I, I, so I actually I have five written down just because I had yeah. to, there was some shuffling around because there were so many it's different hard. things. Like, so like I guess the, the honorable mention category would like that's I think that's where I'm going to put Inquisition. Um, mm-hmm. And I also had had jotted down wrong darker than Death or Night mainly because I, and I think oh, wow. I think what I think the the reasoning behind that is like it's. In a, in a season full of just men writing women, this was surprisingly not bad. And I think that's what, like, it's getting, an, like, it, it got jotted down for honorable mention. And, like, looking at it, I'm like, this is how low the bar was set, guys. Oh, no. You just <laughs> needed to think of them as people yep. with complex life situations and decisions. And I feel like, I, I, I feel like they at least didn't fetishize the situation. In a way that could easily have happened. Inquisition is just, it's uh, like, it's all the things that lives loved. It's intrigue, it's, <laughs> uh, it's mind games, it's Bashir being serious business and figuring twists, things out. Twists on twists! Uh, and being like, you know, like, I, I just, I love, I love, I love competent Bashir. It's, it's great. So then my actual three will be far beyond the stars for all the reasons mentioned so far, like, especially as, uh, a love letter to or tribute to the unsung you know uh predecessors you know forebears of science fiction like that's something that i i i remember enjoying it in you know past watches in my younger days but watching it now after having you know read the sci-fi that i read after after have coming to an understanding of the history of science fiction in that that era i was like no this is cool i get it um i think it would be higher on my list if like the tie-in just felt you know did wasn't strong enough for me into the into the main plot of the show and so that was like all right that that part just feels like it's just tacked on you know it'll do and just move on so then next after that would be waltz because it's just such good just just characters charactering at each other ducat is glorious cisco is great up against that glory that gloriousness of ducat it's just i also love seeing a villain just unravel it's great Mm. and then you know i'm I'm sure i'm sure it's a shock but in the pale moonlight is my top like the magnificent ferengi oh right yes yes uh (laughs) that's what i meant yeah in the pale magnificent ferengi um I just I, I've already talked about it, but like I and and I feel like Jake's already touched on on it and that it it questions the the utopia of of Star Trek and it you know shows that you know someone taking the fall to make that to preserve that that utopia or, or to make you know to make things right and make things happen and it I love how after that episode it's still those hard decisions. And those challenges and those real like tough situations, those those high stakes still stick with me. Like just you know watching watching that yeah that interaction with the Romulan senator and and everyone else drinking the fake ass Romulan ale. <laughs> but just well, I mean like in in uh, Tears of the Prophets, like mm. just that whole time that he's in there and they're trying to play nice with him 
and they're and they're you know coordinating with him to send their people in to go get shot down and like yeah and they're all in there under false pretense that's like this entire time like that's that's undercutting that's underlying the whole the whole relationship for me and i find that interesting like that you know and nobody knows except for a select few mm. so i love it i love that i thought this was a pretty solid season overall yeah only uh, one yeah. left now one yeah. one ds9 season left oh boy crazy i know i'm sad i'm sad for it to be over i'm sad to lose terry farrell too yeah yeah but hey we got a little bit of time before we need to acknowledge it formally because what are we doing next week well Next week, Chris, I'm glad you asked. We're going to be talking about a TNG documentary. Wow, documentary. Good job, Caitlin, with the words. It's called Chaos on the Bridge. And apparently it's being presented by William Shatner, (laughs) which I have mixed feelings about. But we're going to do that. It's about, I don't know, like a retrospective on TNG. Yeah, if we'd thought ahead, we would have done it right after TNG, but we just realized, hey, wait a minute, we're all, we're through DS9. We should touch on that before we finish DS9. <laughs> and then there's also a DS9 documentary, yeah. so I think you know what's going to happen later. Um, the Magnificent Ferengi. <laughs> and then there's DS10. Ooh, right. my favorite DS. Right, so that'll be fun for next week. Yeah. Until then, if you uh, like what you heard and you want to hear more, if you're like, wow, I'm super excited to know about their tops and bottoms, but I haven't heard anything else about season six, you can listen to that shit and everything before it. You can find A Star to Steer Her By, where all fine podcasts are sold. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook. You can find us by searching A Star to Steer Her By on Facebook.com. You can also find us at sshb podcast on tumblr and twitter or you can visit our website sshbpodcast.com that's star steer her by podcast.com yeah, you, take, you take the articles and the prepositions out that's normal mm-hmm. yeah it's good it's good yeah and these episodes are going to be up in the, on the tumblr probably now i've probably done it already future aims get on it so that you can see these episodes on a tumblr post as well as having just listened to them now you get to see all the beautiful screen caps that aims took yep and you'll get to see how we all compared to each other in terms of what we liked and what we didn't like it's great it's good shit and you can see every past season you can see fan fictions some random articles about aesthetics and bad admirals or as i like to call them bad morals and uh yeah i don't know if i've ever made that joke before and if i had i'm not sorry so too bad this has been caitlin this has been jake this has been chris this has been ames and this is liz and liz thanks guys (laughs) and liz rule of acquisition 285 no good deed goes unpunished